0: Welcome to the Leader's Edge podcast. I'm Sandy Laycox, Editor-in-Chief of Leader's Edge. In this episode, I talk with Alan Ogilvie, President of Church Mutual Insurance. Alan took over as President of Church Mutual early this year. He shares his plans to continue to grow the company while remaining firmly dedicated to the mission of protecting those who serve others. With a policyholder base that includes youth camps and organizations, schools, Religious institutions and a wide range of nonprofits, the company has some complicated risks to cover, and we discuss them all. Give it a listen. All right, Alan. Well, it is great to have you here with me. I'm very excited to, to chat this morning.
1: It's great to be with you.
0: Uh, you uh, have taken the helm at Church Mutual uh, recently, and I'd love to hear you all talk about. A little bit about your goals for the next few years as you take over this uh, organization that I find a, a very unique insurer tackling some very challenging
1: industries. Well, it, it is a privilege and it is a unique organization. To, um, um, uh, as of 1-1, one, one, so merely less than three months ago, I was named president of Church Mutual. Uh, as you know, um, Church Mutual is a 125-year-old mutual company. Uh, really, the premier writer of religious institutions, and we intend to remain that. So, with your question as to kind of where are we going in our future, um, in some respects, we'll be exactly the same, and in some respects, different. What I mean by that is um, we will, we are the premier writer of religious institutions in the United States, and we're going to maintain that position. We have every commitment to do that. At the same time, we wanna diversify into some complementary areas. We've been doing that for a number of years. So that's not actually new news, if you will, um, but we have for a number of years been writing, for example, nonprofits and human services organizations, which we feel is just a, a wonderful natural fit uh, with the mission of our organization, which is really to ensure and assist those organizations that serve others. So certainly that fits with the religious institution, but just as well fits with our nonprofit segment, as well as our segment that focuses on senior living facilities and uh, camps and sports and recreation um, uh, uh, risks. So um, while we're evolving our organization, we've been doing it for a number of years. This is just a continuation of that strategy where we can continue to really focus on those institutions that that serve others.
0: you definitely have, you know, a, a lot of angles where you do focus on those institutions, and I'd love to go into a, a few of those different uh, business lines. You mentioned nonprofits, um, which is a good one to start with. Uh, we, you know, we have heard that, you know, some kinds of nonprofits, ones that generally deal with underserved communities, um, frontline advocacy, those types of things, have had challenges getting coverage um is this something that you've seen how do you help how do you work with them to secure insurance at a price that they can afford
1: sure we insure a, a broad-based number of, of non-profits um certainly anywhere from food banks to those who serve um um the homeless to those who serve you know uh, children support organizations whatever the case may be and we best serve them by bringing them really the services and the value that we think can can help them um, going forward to us price is merely one component of the equation where we we really can do our best for our insurance is when we bring unique deep expertise in their operations and how we can help them for example prevent loss mitigate loss uh, because as everyone will say the best loss is the loss that never happens so We bring in, for example, in the nonprofit space, uh, we bring a lot of training, a lot of loss control, a lot of educational um, materials that, again, we believe help nonprofits um, avoid losses. Anywhere from uh, access to pre-employment screening services to training services online and others, Uh, again, for us, it's really that training and education piece that's critical in the nonprofit space. And again, it dovetails so nicely to what we've always tried to do in, you know, for 125 years in the religious space.
0: Do you feel like there are some nonprofits that are getting priced out of the market, even with good risk control in place?
1: Well, I think I think nonprofits are. It's always a challenging niche for those nonprofits in that while they're doing tremendous work, they're not Fortune 500 companies. So their revenue streams tend to be difficult. And certainly um, during COVID, there was immense strain on the revenue streams of nonprofits. And even as we now come out to a degree of, of out of COVID, um, some of the government programs that were put in place during COVID and providing revenue to certain nonprofits are, are, are kind of being drawn down a little bit um, as we come out of that public uh, emergency. Situation. So, um, yeah, no, certainly, nonprofits have always had challenges in the revenue side. COVID uh, made it even worse, and so that certainly is a challenge for them to afford all their expenses, uh, including uh, making sure they're appropriately insured.
0: All right, let's talk a little bit about um, you mentioned sports, sports teams, and camps, and those types of things. Um, We've done some work in the past uh, where we looked into insurance changes in premium pricing due to, you know, the sexual abuse claims that have happened that have been more sort of in the public eye um, over the past few years. And we found that uh, insurers were really tightening, tightening terms and underwriting for sort of across the board for schools and camps. Um, because of these these long claims that, that were happening from this topic. Do you have any thoughts on that or has it been, um, have you had to, to do any stricter underwriting or work differently with clients in that respect because of that?
1: Unfortunately, this, this is not a new risk for our customers, having uh, been a writer in, in certain segments for so many years. So, you know, we have um, for many, many years, going back to the 80s, had in place uh, educational um, capabilities, um, um, claim capabilities that can help in those unfortunate situations when they happen. Again, the most important thing uh, we'd all agree is to prevent those sorts of situations from occurring. And again, that gets back to training and education. You know, are, are you vetting um, employees appropriately? Are you vetting volunteers appropriately? Are you taking all the loss control um, steps that are important? Um, so there's the loss control aspect of it, and then of course, if there is an allegation or an unfortunate situation, do you handle those situations with the right um, empathy and the right uh, sympathy for all involved to make sure that um, everyone's treated fairly and appropriately? And and again, unfortunately, you know that's that's not a new risk for our customers. We have not seen um, anything requiring us to meaningfully change, for example, our underwriting perspective on that. Um, That's always been a lens we've needed to evaluate as part of underwriting, uh, but nothing really materially different for us uh, from what we've needed to do in the past.
0: Do you think, has there been, have you seen other insurers pulling out of those markets um, as as they've seen sort of the, these high losses and these big claims?
1: You know, I I haven't necessarily seen a lot of withdrawal from the market. Certainly you will see an ebb and flow as to how aggressive certain participants might be in the market, Um, whether in their terms, their pricing, their underwriting appetite, their interest in certain classes of business. So certainly an ebbing and flowing Um, across the market that we have seen.
0: Okay. Um, Another area that you all insure is um, schools, which is one topic that is just, I always think about from schools is how can we protect them from mass shootings? It seems like something that the insurance industry could do something about. Um, obviously, talking politics is useless on this. So, I, I, from a risk management, you know, perspective, like, what are you thinking about this? Do you work with your clients? Are you involving brokers in, in helping work with clients on this topic?
1: Well, you know, again, this is uh, something not, not new to our organization. Um, you know, we've insured schools through our various entities for. Um, now on over 50 years. Um, So certainly have we seen changes over that time, obviously incredibly sad changes uh, to what has happened with certain uh, violent acts at schools. Um, But we've been in this space a long time. We know that, again, um, training and preparation are key. Uh, They're not perfect, but they are critical to to, um, preparing a school. So we really work very closely with Um, schools and their leadership to make sure they're putting in place emergency action plans um, that they know how to respond in the event of a violent incident and then that includes working with um, making sure the school's working with local uh, government officials local police so that they're all working together in establishing uh, the best plan possible preparing the school from a um, standpoint of How can it be best prepared physically uh, in the event that an unfortunate event happens? So again, it's uh, all about preparedness. Uh, It can never be perfect, um, but making sure all the constituents that are necessary for the preparation of a plan like that are all involved in the development of that plan and, and partnering with local law enforcement is critical in that regard.
0: Are you, is there anything that you all are are doing or talking about that is more uh, preemptive sort of before an event happens?
1: Sure, um, you know, again, it's putting in place um, preparation programs, um, um, whether that's run, hide and fight, uh, some of the Homeland Security um, response materials, um, again, making sure teachers and staff are trained in how to respond is it are there certain things that should be done to the physical facility to, to harden the perimeter if you will? Um, we certainly you know as you mentioned at the start of this that there certainly can be very po- various political dynamics to that. Um, and you know that's not our role. Our role is to help um, administrators to understand the risk, the exposure and what can be done to address it and sadly, it doesn't really take much education anymore to help administrators understand the that there is a problem uh, because they live it every day uh, and they're thinking about it every day. So we find that the vast majority of school administrators really are looking for someone, uh, various groups, whether it's training groups or insurers that really understand the exposure and wanna partner with them to do the best we possibly can to uh, um, Prepare the the overall facility. Prepare the staff. Prepare the training, so that and again, God forbid, you know, the event happens, um, everyone uh, can respond as best possible.
0: Have you seen since since you guys have been doing this for so long? Have you seen recently a change in sort of client awareness or interest in doing something about this? Like the 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 schools themselves, are they do they see more engaged in this issue
1: oh absolutely they're you know it's it's you know they watch the national news they read um, national news so they're well aware of the incidents that have occurred Um, it's very high on the radar for their various associations that support um, schools so they're very in tune with the exposure and then it's um what do we do about it in an imperfect in an imperfect world? Yes,
0: well, it it is something that I I continue to sort of hammer away at when I when I find someone who is is um, has expertise in this in this particular line. Um, so I, I you you get all of sort of the really tough issues, but I, I feel like that's just something that your company must take on a lot.
1: Well, we actually. We appreciate the opportunity. While we understand that we face some of the most difficult issues, um, isn't that our job? Isn't it that where we add value is to address the most difficult issues? Um, are they challenging? Yes. Do they come with a lot of uh, unusual dynamic at times? Yes. Um, but it's, it's we actually pride ourselves on taking on the challenging issues as opposed to the easy issues. Because uh, not only is that what's best for our insureds, um, but it's really what keeps our entire organization engaged, because you know our our employees are tremendous people who could work at any number of insurance companies. I know a number of our team, they choose to work at at our organization because of our mission and because of what we're doing. Every day, we get up trying to figure out how can we prevent loss, how can we respond to loss? Uh, to these vulnerable populations, these these difficult um, organizations who um, you know, virtually no one can can argue about the worthiness of uh, the institutions we insure. I mean, they are the ones that make our communities uh, better to live in
0: absolutely. Um, one more group you mentioned was the senior living communities, and I, I don't want to miss that. Um, obviously, With the COVID pandemic, senior living communities have been sort of the front line of that. What have you seen um, in those communities that in the longer term will be, you know, and become apparent in the industry? And how have you worked to to continue to ensure the safety and the coverage for these
1: communities? Sure, an incredibly dynamic market. Um, You have a, a confluence of demographics and circumstance. What I mean by that is we have an aging population as as I think everyone knows. And so whether it's for our own needs or our parents' needs or our grandparents' needs, we understand an aging population has more and more need for senior living services. At the same time, COVID created a very, very unusual dynamic. Um, We're even seeing, for example, for certain individuals, um, they're more interested in trying to um, um, remain in their homes to kind of uh, age in place, if you will. Um, and how does that dem- how does that dynamic work again with the demographics that certainly move towards um, a need for more facilities? You combine that with a very difficult labor market, and you know, working in some of these facilities, uh, they're difficult jobs with difficult hours. They're doing incredibly critical work. Um, but these are these are tough jobs and um, the turnover is fairly high in, in these organizations. And, and how do you make sure you, in that context, have well-trained people, who you have people who um, have been properly vetted. Um, and so for us in that dynamic, it's really doing a lot of what we've always done in that space, but trying to do it even more robustly and better. What I mean by that is certainly, again, um, training and education is critical. Are you properly screening um, employees so that you you know um, who's d- providing the care? That's critical. Do you have the proper monitoring? Again, these are 24 seven facilities. So you have the proper monitoring in place to make sure you understand what's happening at your facility. Um, when you add also, we we believe innovation and technology can do a lot in all of our business segments to help us uh, really provide more value to our insurance. So for example, we have certain capabilities where if agreed to by the um, uh, the individual at the facility and the facility itself, obviously, you know, we have certain technology capabilities that can kind of help monitor if someone has fallen to give a notice to the facility that, um, again, There was something noticed uh, combined with um, an AI software to determine that maybe someone has fallen and that you should go down and check that particular room to make sure everything's okay. So technology has been important, whether it's um, historically, there've been so many tragic cases where uh, patients, maybe dementia, people with dementia might uh, walk off from a facility in the old days. But now there's, again, the ability to kind of create um, tracking tools that give you a better sense whether someone is attempting to leave the facility when um, they shouldn't be. Um, So uh, certainly an incredibly dynamic market uh, combined with uh, challenging demographics for us as a society. Uh, But on the plus side, a lot of exciting technology coming to this area that that I think can really meaningfully impact uh, the lost trends, and the capabilities of facilities going forward. I you know again, we've I don't know virtually anyone who doesn't have either a friend or a parent or someone they know who has spent time in a senior living facility. So uh, everyone is incredibly invested in doing what we can to help make sure those facilities are uh, are the best they can be in. And they obviously, many facilities are under, much like nonprofits, under very difficult um, revenue models right now, right? At the end of the day, uh, depending upon how an individual facility is funded, it might be uh, funded by you know different government programs and requiring a pretty lean operation. So, um, but again, as we talked about earlier, uh, what better space for an organization like ours to play in, uh, but one where there are incredibly difficult challenges but they're in an area we deeply care about. So what better thing for our employees and team to work on, but to find better ways to uh, uh, mitigate losses, to um, you know help these organizations become better?
0: did you did you feel like they took um, because of Covid senior living facilities? You mentioned at the beginning that, that a lot of people are now thinking about sort of staying aging at home and 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 doing that do you think they took sort of a reputational hit that they have to build back from as a business model?
1: I'm not sure it's necessarily a reputational hit to the the business model or to the business. Um, I think we as a society are still trying to figure out what does post-COVID look like, whether that's with our kids going to school, whether that's our kids going um, to camps. We, as you mentioned, we also ensure a lot of camps. The nature of that business has changed dramatically. So I don't know if it's, I wouldn't necessarily say it's any kind of a a hit or attack on their business model, but rather, you know, how are we as a society? What do things look like post-COVID? Whether that's hybrid work environments, whether that's the uh, nonprofits and how they operate, uh, how healthcare operates, you know, I'm not sure there's a part of our society that hasn't been impacted by covid and and we'll all have to remain flexible and and work our way through it. I'm confident we confident we will. Um, but what is post the post covid world look like? I think we're all trying to still figure that out.
0: I think that's a great point. It's a, it's very true. We hear it a lot on the on the sort of work model side of things, but thinking about these different industries that have to sort of deal with what people's comfort level is now is is, is a new world. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Well, just one more question for you. You mentioned the use of technology increasing, which is very interesting um, on the risk management side for the senior living communities. Is there anywhere else where you're seeing new technologies being um, sort of picked up by clients and used from a risk management perspective?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, for a, a while now we've been using very effectively temperature and water sensors. So, if imagine a little sensor put on a pipe that uh, can indicate whether the water movement is higher than it should be, for example, or whether a temperature has has uh, reduced below what it should have been at. Um, if you think of uh, the polar vortex that occurred at the end of twenty two and the magnitude of that, That covered not quite 50 states, but well over 40 states were impacted by that polar vortex. And for those of our insureds that had um, certain sensors, that was incredibly important for them to be able to get a notice that maybe the um, temperature had dropped in their facility. And again, in a lot of what we insure, take for example religious institutions, um, they're not always occupied every day. So to have sensors that are able to monitor things when people are not there are critical. We also have deployed in certain wildfire states, in essence, uh, private fire trucks, if you will, that we can identify where wildfires are at any given moment. And we can deploy these fire trucks to our insureds to one, maybe they'll help clear brush, for example, or harden again the perimeter if necessary. Um, and in certain circumstances, we're even able to spray a fire retardant foam on the facility to help prevent it from wildfire. And we've had tremendous results from that. Uh, recently, we've introduced what we call poll for police. It's it's a very basic mechanism, but it's a little, it's a little tab that you could put, for example, anywhere that um, in a difficult situation all you have to do is pull the tab, and the direct call goes um, to the right um, to the police, for example, for them to respond to a situation. So literally it's not even trying to get to a phone or dial nine one one. You pull this tab, and they will be on their way shortly. So, um, and as I mentioned in the senior living space, using AI to identify whether, you know certain events have happened. So I think we're looking at, you know while, we sometimes focus so much on the challenges of our industry and they are real. Um, But at the same time, we are headed into an incredibly interesting phase of the insurance industry's history as we deploy technology in these various spaces. And and I think it's gonna have an incredible impact uh, in in a positive way for so many insurers.
0: It's yeah, it's great to see some of that innovation in action you know, making, making change in, in people's lives or businesses. Well, Alan, thank you so much. It was great to chat with you this morning. I really enjoyed this conversation. It was great to hear all about, um, the different, you know, different industries that you all are, are working with and helping sort of just get along and improving our society.
1: Well, appreciate the opportunity and, uh, always a pleasure to talk with your group.
0: That was Church Mutual President Alan Ogilvie. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. For more conversations with industry executives, go to leadersedge.com or subscribe at SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts.